Hey, welcome up back, everyone. Uh, we're talking to Lynn Roberts about her book, Shape Shifting into Higher Consciousness. And we're talking about um, some of the interesting travels that Lynn has um, made throughout um, her career. And um, we were talking about before the break about um, fire healing. And I guess when, when you were telling a story, Lynn, I couldn't tell. When you say that they immerse a person in fire, is this the shaman is imagining this? in their mind or are they literally what what are they doing with the fire i guess i didn't have a clear sense when you're describing it well they're actually blowing fire they're actually holding a, a lit candle and uh the person doesn't have any clothes on because clothes burn mm -hmm. and hair is pulled up if they have long hair because hair burns as well and um they are blowing and they call it kamaying in the quechua uh, language blowing with the breath of spirit uh, alcohol, sugarcane alcohol, through this lit candle, which produces a huge uh, ball of fire. So we're talking about real fire here. It's oh very, God. very dramatic. It is, it is. It's, and I do this practice as well. It's an incredibly dramatic practice of invoking the spirit of volcanoes, wow. the sacred volcanoes. And, of course, fire is such a powerful element. They all are. And I don't know if you caught before, but I was talking about how anybody who knows very much about shamanism or energy healing knows that, you know, uh, everything that manifests physically, first of all, is apparent in the energetic field. So mm -hmm. uh, the fire, first of all, incinerates and transforms anything that is out of balance in the energetic field of the person. And, uh, and it's a profound connection meeting with the spirit of the fire as well. Mm -hmm. The people are told to open your heart to the spirit of the fire, open to your power to shapeshift, that if you have physical disease, if you have emotional imbalance, uh, if your life is out of balance in some other way, that not only the power of the actual element of fire, but its spirit and also the spirit of the volcanoes that the fire represents uh, can heal you and can shapeshift, can change the form of this imbalance to one of balance. Well, so in the case of the fire, when you're blowing, because you're still freaking me out about the whole idea of taking <laughs> alcohol and spraying fire. I mean, the whole thing terrifies me. But what I heard you said is that, so you're blowing fire with the intention of breaking up the aura, because that person has a, you know aura that carries who knows what. So you're actually blowing the the spirit of the fire that is also held with the volcano of the fire, you know, that volcano that's indigenous that area, you're actually taking that whole energy and directing it towards that person for healing. Um, does anyone ever get burnt? <laughs> this is the, I'm sorry, Not, that's the first no, thing I popped No, they my don't. Head. Occasionally there is a little bit of the alcohol that is on the skin and the fire may burn that off, you know, yeah. but no, people don't get harmed and, and it's, you know, it's interesting you said they direct it to the aura. Well, this isn't, and I mentioned before, but, um, you know, we're a very reductionistic uh, culture in terms of how we think of things, and we like mm -hmm. to break it all up and understand it with our minds. But really this practice is about shape-shifting into the power and the spirit of the volcanoes and bringing in the fire, the spirit of the fire, and uh, letting it do what it will do, connecting people with the, the spirit of the fire and the volcano, which is what heals. Mm. And the shamans don't think about, well, I'm doing this to the aura, and this is my intention in this way. The prime intention for the shaman 
is to shapeshift, to merge with the power of the volcano mm. and the spirit of the fire. Okay. So it's a very, very different uh, yeah. connection. It's very immediate and heart-oriented. So you've you've actually done this um, practice yourself when you're merging with the fire. Um, what? How does one merge with the fire and so that you aren't letting the fire work through you but working with you? Or it... Or what is the personal felt sense of it when you're working with the fire to do a healing like this? Well, the personal felt sense when I'm in the practice of fire, I have a very specific way. I've taught this a lot um, uh, to people who are interested in learning these ancient healing forms. And um, and here it's interesting because in, in Ecuador we use what's called trago, and trago is sugarcane alcohol. And um, and it's very sacred to the Quechua people. You know, it's infused with the elements, and it, and it's used for the sacred practice. And um, here, the closest we can come to that is Bacardi 151. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I use. And let me tell you, Bacardi 151 is a lot more um, flammable than the Trago, wow. and as a result, a, a lot harder on your mouth yeah. uh, to blow. Oh gosh. But, um, the experience of it is very powerful, you know, and what you do first is you, and I've been trained extensively with these shamans and also brought many people down there to train with them. Mm-hmm. And I've trained people here, but first you're really opening deep in the earth and breathing with the earth. And because that's where all the power comes from, any shaman or healer is really a conduit for energy, which mm-hmm. means they're always shape-shifting and merging with the energy. It's not... Uh, you know, the healers or the shaman's personal energy or ego identity that does the healing by any means. It's the elements and the spirits, and in Reiki, it's universal life force energy, mm-hmm. which uh, all amounts to, in many ways, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you're really open to breathing with the earth, and then you call in the spiritual energies. And for the shamans in Ecuador, it's their sacred waters. And there's sacred volcanoes and there's spirit guides that they're working with. They call in the sacred. And their intention is very simple, again, to shapeshift and to bring the spirit of the fire in. Uh, and then you, you open your heart to really um, merging with the fire. And the fire is a living spirit. Mm-hmm. So the shaman develops a real relationship with the fire. And, of course, fire can burn. So, you know, the fire teaches you when you're not in right relationship, you could get burned. Wow. Uh, the, the practitioner can get burned, and that's happened. Uh, so it's a very, very mindful mm. practice, as mm. you can imagine it yeah, has to be. Absolutely. Because here you have alcohol and you have a lit candle. I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> dangerous. That spells <laughs> danger. And yes. unless, you're, yeah, unless you're very mindful and, uh, and really present in your body and in your heart and uh, moving into this sacredly. It's not a party trick. Mm. And the experience on the other end, and I've received a lot as well as uh, offered, you know, merged with the fire for healing for others, it really gets you out of your head very fast. Uh, I mean, as a patient, this is when you were actually, this was in the case when you were actually being healed by someone who was doing a fire. Is that what you meant? Okay, yeah, sorry. So you're saying it gets you out of your head even when you're sitting there on the table. I would have thought that that would happen for sure if you're a practitioner, but on the table as well, huh? Okay. How did it get you out of your head? Well, I don't, you know, I don't do fire blowing with people on the table. This is done in a setting that is really, uh, 
suited, you know, for these types of healing uh-huh. forms. I do many types of uh, work, including some table work and shamanic Reiki, uh-huh. integrating shamanism and Reiki, and also uh, these Quechua healing forms, which are uh-huh. called cleansings, that are done in a very different setting that accommodates uh, me being able to also kamai water. Water is sprayed on the body, and um, plants are applied directly on the body. Wow. And stones are also um, brought in for their power and strength. And all of these are shape-shifting tools. Mm-hmm. So since, you know, for millennia, shamanic peoples have worked with the elements, again, bringing the forces of the elements to apply to um, illness, to apply to imbalance, and to help to bring uh, harmony uh, to the person and so it's the stones and the plants and the water and the fire that are doing the work. And again, it's not a strategic practice like so many of our healing practices are in the Western and North American culture. Uh, and we have very, very powerful practices, but this mm-hmm. is different. Yeah. This is about engaging the heart and the body with the spirit of the earth and the elements and I, I uh, working go back with to, spirit helpers. I want to go back a little bit to your experience. So I know that you said that you got out of the way, like you, you kind of really, when you were actually getting healed, I know that you weren't on a table, but um, what was the setting and what did it feel like to receive a fire healing? Well, I have an interesting story because uh, this is almost 20 years ago now, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I worked with John Perkins uh, for 17 years, who actually introduced me to uh, these shamanic people in Ecuador. Since that time, I've worked with uh, many in other parts of the world, such as Siberia and Guatemala and other places. But um, my experience was interesting because I had a very powerful dream one week where I connected with... Um, You know, they appeared like indigenous shamanic people, uh, very beautiful, uh, two men, very small, uh, uh, statured men with long, uh, beautiful, braided, dark hair. Mm -hmm. And uh, I met them uh, in the dream state. And uh, soon after that dream, uh, I received a call from John Perkins stating that he was taking a trip, taking a group down to Ecuador and his assistant, his main assistant, uh, wasn't able to make it. Was I able to go? Mm-hmm. Well, at the point, I didn't have an active passport, so I had to go and get my passport, and then I met everybody in Ecuador. We had a very powerful journey of moving through uh, many different parts of the Andes and deep in the Amazon uh, jungle, working with shamanic people there. And for our last part of this two-week journey, we came to this beautiful um, valley. It's... Um, uh, Otavalo, it's about an hour and a half outside of Quito in Ecuador, mm-hmm. uh, very large uh, volcano surrounding this valley, and it's a very um, powerful place with well over 60 shamans who uh, live and work in this wow. valley. Yeah, so uh, the energies are very, very strong there, and yeah. we you know, get off our bus in this very, very humble uh, home that we came to, and we went, it was so beautiful, went through the corn stalks and their children out there greeting us, and then we walked through this room that, that stunk like urine, because what we realized later at the end of the day when we left was that was where the cows slept, and, uh, because at the end <laughs> nice. of the day when we were finished, we walked through and we had to walk around the cows, Yes. and so we walked through that room and to, to another very, very darkened room. And I peeked in, and it was a dirt floor at the time. 
and a very dark, long, kind of um, earthy room. And at the end was an altar, very rustic, with lots of sacred stones and candles. And and, um, standing behind that table were the two uh, shamanic people that I had seen in my dream. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. Yeah, it was. And so my first experience with uh, receiving was in that setting, that Mm. very, very rustic, humble a uh, beautiful setting with chickens going in and out the room and dogs <laughs> and children and wow. families and, um, and uh, you know, getting up there and uh, having this fire blown uh, over me uh, and having the plants applied to me and having the stones. And, and it's not an experience that's easy to describe because it is so... Um, unlike anything I had ever experienced mm-hmm. in my life, except when I was young and maybe um, swimming in the, uh, you know, the uh, lakes and in New Hampshire, yeah. where that full immersion of your body with the elements yes. is so powerful. Wow. And we really move away from it as adults. We don't even want to get wet by the rain, you know, mm-hmm. even in the Northwest. And, yeah. But so it was a full on immersion of having water sprayed all over me and having plants, you know, being flogged by plants all over my body and having stones rubbed on me and and then having the fire blowing. Um, so it's a real shift of consciousness and it's a real shape shift because when you begin this process and when you're finished with it, you're not the same person. Hmm. You uh, have really merged with the elements through the process and and again, it's not a thinking process. It's not a strategic process. It's a, it opens your heart. Mm. It opens your senses. Uh, it really makes you, although you've never experienced anything like it in your life before, it feels like you've come home. Oh. It's a very, very profound experience. Beautiful. So yeah. did you go in with any particular intention? And, and or, is it, it's not, or is it like you said before, it's not like that. You don't go in saying, I want to get insight into X, Y, and Z. Or you, or did you just immerse yourself and say, I don't know what's going to happen, and just what happens, happens, and all these wonderful feelings emerge Well, my, my personal intention for that first one to, was to fully experience and, and open myself to these ancient and beautiful traditions, because I had a few years of experiences that made it clear that... Um, this was my journey. Now, for a lot of people that we brought down, and again, I've been running these trips now for 20 years since that first experience. Um, and uh, a lot of people who do travel um, with us uh, to these other shamanic cultures, do they're dealing with illness or they're dealing with some extreme form of imbalance in their lives that they really want to set straight. And I've seen pretty profound um healings occur with these. So a lot of people do go in knowing that, you know, I I have cancer or I would like to have children or I, I have something, you know, my life is a mess or whatever it is. Right. And they they really are drawn to doing these journeys so they can experience themselves in fresh ways and mm-hmm. and hopefully heal, you know, and bring back into greater balance these hmm. places in life that are causing them distress and do they explain do they experience similar types of experiences that you had which was a sense of openness and open heart a, a kind of sense of going back home or was it more specific to the intention that they had you know maybe healing a divorce or an illness or whatever well it's all of the above because yeah. uh, again i've seen so many miraculous healings that I don't consider 
I don't consider miraculous healings unusual in any way. They seem very, very ordinary to me because I've seen countless uh, numbers of them, and I've also seen them in my own practice, you know, yeah. witnessed uh, profound things right before my eyes sometimes. Yeah. So all of the above where people, you know, come in with very specific ideas but there, and, and feelings of what they want to heal and profound, profound transformation in their lives. And, mm. and not everybody goes home and has um, a complete healing because oftentimes, you know, illness is a teacher for us and we have lessons mm. to gain from it. And, mm. and profound gifts can result you know, from our, our journey through illness or imbalance, things that we really need to learn. But I've also seen, you know, people heal on the spot. And uh, yeah. everybody, everybody who's experienced these, um, these uh, forms of healing, uh, you can see it on their face that they mm-hmm. are changed. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. are, they, yeah. they look like children. They look like children again. Wow, that's you know? beautiful. That must be. Yeah, it is. That must be profound to just witness that. You know, you see someone walking into, you know, one of these places, and then they come out, and you see a child's face. I mean, that must be profound. That's it is very it's so cool. beautiful. You know, and, in the. Go ahead. Oh, I, I'm. Ta- we're talking to Lynn Roberts, and we're talking about her book, Shape Shifting into Higher Consciousness. And one of the things I love in your book is how you describe it as not a big deal. You know, I mean, like you said, there are chickens running around. You know, kids are running. Around. <laughs> it's not uh-huh. this like in. in um, I think whenever I've been exposed to something like this in, in the United States, it's always this kind of grandiose kind of thing. But shamans seem like, you know, I, I don't know, what do they like? It seems like from your book, like they're just regular people walking around, right? They are. And the beautiful thing is that, you know, here we kind of segregate things. We have, you know, you it's you and your healer or your practitioner and uh, you're in a closed room and nobody else is there. And that's, you know, usually if somebody is a, psychotherapist or shamanic healer or whatever they are, that's all they do, you know, but it's so different in these other cultures because literally we would uh, bring the bus to meet with one of the shamanic families and, and they wouldn't be there. So we'd have to go looking for them (laughs) and they might be out in the field working with their plants or they might, you know, they might be in their shops. Some of them are merchants or they're farmers and they all do other things. It's a very, very earthy relationship. And then they also have this gift of healing, which they also do, but they're very, very integrated with the community. And also as a result, these healings are always done in community also, which is powerful. Yeah. So even when, you know, you cannot wear clothes when you're having fire blown on you. So we would have naked people standing there and then still have (laughs) children in and out and families and and the rest of the group around. But the power of community is such a healing force in itself. Mm. And that's little understood oftentimes in healing settings here. And also um, every healing is environmental too. So when you're blowing fire or somebody else is receiving a a healing, it's not just for them. It radiates out far and wide. So everybody in the room we're all receiving a healing, even yeah. if we're not up there, yeah. you know. Uh, so it's a very different concept, and it's yeah. much more based on the idea of oneness, that we're all one, and, you know, we don't need to separate everything out because that causes us imbalance. And I think the prime gift of these healing um, forms and these cultures also is our deep understanding of how we are one with this planet and 
the more we move into healing our relationship with the elements, earth, air, water, fire, and the planet earth, then uh, the more we are healed ourselves. So I want to go back to, and I know I don't want to spend a lot of time, but I do want to um, answer some of the questions that a lot of people seem to be curious about. I mean, you know, the, and, and there's some um, indigenous cultures that use spirit animals for healing. And so, you know, it seems like the, the TV has commercialized this into, oh, you can shapeshift into a werewolf or a wolf or a reptile. Have you ever seen anything like that? Or is it just more figured like a, a, in, your, in your mind's eye you do these things? Or do you, have you ever seen anything like that? Is it possible? Well, I do believe it's possible. I haven't literally seen a shaman shapeshift before my eyes into uh, an animal. Um, I do know that, you know, with all of these cultures, for instance, there are a lot of them, the bird people in the high Andes. And also I worked in uh, on the Asian steppe with bird people. And uh, in the high Andes, they wear a, a feathered headdress. And in the in Asian steppe, they'll wear big, big bird's wings on their backs and also feathered headdress as well and part of that uh part of the symbology of that is that they're those are their spirit animals and when they're doing their healing work or in ceremony they are shape-shifting into the qualities of these animals Mm -hmm. and uh birds for instance are really prime uh animals for uh, our ability to be able to fly to other worlds because Mm -hmm. the main definition of a shaman is that you travel to other worlds, other realms, invisible realms, whatever you want to call them, to obtain wisdom, power, and energy to affect change in this world. And so, um, you know, I have seen very, um, you know, uh, uh, non-ordinary things such as balls of light in the sky, which are... You know, shamans have told me that um, they shapeshift into balls of light. I had a woman in Siberia that I brought uh, a rainforest seed necklace to from the uh, shamans deep in the Amazon, gifted this to a woman in Siberia. And when I gave her this, it was so beautiful, tears came to her eyes and she said, you know, I've never been there in a physical body, but I know the rainforest is my true home because I travel there as a ball of light all the time. Wow. And and the, the amazing thing was when you're in, in the Amazon with the Shuar shamans, they talk about the balls of light that they see wow. in the night sky. Wow, that's really And cool. I have seen these. Yeah. And so um, things like that, you know, I think yeah. we are energy bodies and we're capable of shifting form because we're one ultimately with everything. Well, here's the interesting thing about every single example that you've given is about a, a shaman is there to heal, you know, and, and I think it's interesting because when I saw the stuff in terms of, you know, when I was reading on the internet, why people want to shapeshift, it's usually to get power and to hurt other people. Mm-hmm. Is that, mm-hmm. I mean, is that even, do shamans even focus on that or is it mostly about healing like you've been describing? Well, the shamans, obviously, that I've worked with are, um, you know, they're the shapeshifters in their communities, and they're the healers in their communities, and they're about maintaining balance between people and spirit and nature. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there are stories of, of people using sorcery, and energy is just energy, and you can use it in any way. You can use it for positive change, and you can use it to direct harmful energy and if you do that it's always going to come back to you so yeah it's, it's going to ricochet don't yeah, expect exactly. that you're going to like do something really <laughs> cool to like get revenge no. over your arch enemy and it's not going to come back hitting you in the butt i mean I... right and 
And also, you know, shamanism is traditionally, it's a non-egoic practice, so it's not about, I'm getting this for me. Shamans always devote their lives to their communities and to nature and to the spirit guides they work with. So it's really not about the ego. It's not about what I can gain, what I can get, what I want. It's, it's really uh, not about that at all. It's about becoming a conduit for very powerful forces mm-hmm. to channel for good and positive change. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, we have a couple minutes left. I was wondering if you could step us through an experience. I'll take us through a brief practice. Okay, sure. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Okay, so I'd like to invite everyone, first of all, to close your eyes and take a nice deep cleansing breath, one cleansing breath, and one more nice, deep, refreshing breath. Now, let yourself for a moment... um, Uh, Think of something uh, environmentally that may be disturbing for you. It may be, um, you know, the garbage dump in the Pacific Ocean, or it may be something very, very local to you in your neighborhood, but something that that bothers you about um, this issue uh, could be pesticide use, could be anything. Just take a moment just to think about something that's happening uh, in nature or the environment that you're not happy about that disturbs you. And as you do this, see if you can imagine it clearly and really feel your emotion about it. What do you feel about uh, what's happening in the world or very locally, environmentally? What do you feel about the garbage in the Pacific Ocean or whatever you're setting your mind upon right now? You may feel sad, you may feel angry, or you may feel hopeless or, or confused about what to do or if you can do anything. So again, this is just a brief example, but we're going to let those thoughts go now. They're, you're still aware of them, but just kind of let the focus on them go, and let's take a nice deep breath again. And let it go. Continue to just let those thoughts go and take another nice, refreshing breath. And now take yourself back in memory and or imagination, however it works for you. This is very natural for us to, to imagine. We all did it as children. We were just conditioned out of it. And this is kind of the access to these expanded worlds that shamanic people travel to. So just open your imagination to... Um, it could be a relationship with a tree that you had as a child or it could be um, a relationship with a stuffed animal or, or a pet or, um, you know, some part of nature that you felt an affinity with. See if you can just, first of all, take a moment to recall something, uh, a pet that you loved or a tree that you had a special feeling for or a flower that really makes you um you know, brings beauty to your world and and that you, you know, a special flower for you. Could be anything. Take a moment just to think of something. And as you're thinking of this flower or tree or animal or even a stuffed animal, allow yourself now just to 
see it clearly in your mind's eye. And if you can't see it, just have a sense of it or feel it. Just really uh, see if you can see, feel, or just uh, have a feeling sense of this flower, animal, tree. Mm-hmm. See the color or sense the color. You may almost smell it. Bring your senses to it. Imagine that you can touch the tree or the animal, what that would feel like. And as you're doing that, also become aware of the other qualities, maybe the more subtle qualities of this living being, I'll call it a nature being, that you're connecting with. Um, for instance, it could be that this, this pet has uh, certain qualities. It could be a little feistiness with this, this pet, or it could be a gentleness, or, or it could be uh, acute senses. Uh, and with a tree, it could be uh, part of the spirit of the tree that you're tuning into. Um, or the flower could have certain qualities that you relate with. So take a moment just to feel those physical qualities and, and characteristics and also now have a sense of these subtle qualities and characteristics. Now in the next few moments, we're going to take this experience a little deeper And I'd like to preface this by saying that we're not losing ourselves in this process by any means. We are who we are. Uh, This process of shape-shifting is kind of like trying on a well-fitting glove on your hand or a well-fitting set of clothing. Uh, So you're actually trying on the form, but you're not losing yourself, but you're trying on this form of this nature being. And there are two possibilities of how you can do this. One is, for instance, you can imagine the tree or flower or animal, whatever it is, uh, just a few feet in front of you. And in your imagination, you can feel or sense or uh, know you're just walking into that form. You're just taking a few steps and you're entering it as if you could actually walk into that tree or flower or walk into that animal. Um, and take on its form. The other way to do it is to simply sit wherever you are and to just imagine yourself taking on that form, again, as a well-fitting set of clothes. You're not losing yourself. You're just imagining that your body is kind of morphing into that tree with its branches and leaves and trunk or and roots deep into the ground or that animal and its qualities, uh, its form physically. So take a few moments just to feel yourself um, engage in that way and have a sense of your body taking on this form, this shape, and what that feels like. Just tune in. And we all have very good imaginations, so I'm sure we can imagine this and feel it. And bring your senses into this. You might smell in a different way as this animal or tree. You may feel things around you in a different way. Just start noticing uh, differences in how you might feel. And take some time to imagine you can actually look through these eyes of that animal, look out to the world through that consciousness, 
or imagine that the tree or the flower actually has a way to perceive the eyes of the tree or flower, to perceive the, the world around it. Imagine that you can look through these eyes, perceive through the, that consciousness. Now, continuing to really feel yourself as that other form, imagine now, um, bring to mind that uh, dilemma that you were thinking of when we first started this process, whatever it was, whether it was pesticide use in your neighborhood or something that really grabbed you that's happening environmentally that you feel a little lost or disturbed about. And now, looking through the consciousness of this nature being, whether it's a tree or flower or animal or something else, imagine that you're looking at this situation, this issue, through those eyes instead of your personal eyes. And you'll definitely see this situation differently. You'll perceive it differently. Take a few moments to look at it and notice what you, whatever you perceive or whatever you sense. Look at it from this nature being's perspective. If the tree were looking at this problem, what would it see? What would it perceive? How would it experience that problem? Would it see it differently than you? And take some time. You can look through those eyes of that nature being. Look at that environmental issue from all sides. And be open to seeing it differently through that nature being's perception. And take just another moment to look at this issue. And then you can let that focus dissolve. Just let it completely uh, relax. Those thoughts about this environmental issue come back to the feeling of being that nature being, being that tree with its trunk and leaves and roots or that animal with its form and fur or whatever it is. Really feel that form. Feel the sense of that consciousness. And in the next few moments, you're going to make the transition back to your own form. And you can do that very simply by just allowing a process of morphing from the form of the nature being back into your own body, your own form, your own consciousness. Or you can feel yourself, again, step out of that form. And as you step out, you're in your own body. You're in your own mindset and consciousness. So just take a moment to really make a complete transition out of that nature being. And coming back into ordinary reality mm. now, that's your... Here and now, mm, I'm going nice. to invite you yeah, to make a, a full transition, and let's just take a couple of nice deep breaths to complete that one. And one more nice deep cleansing breath. Okay. 
That was yeah. beautiful. How was that for you, CJ? It was really interesting. You know, I, I merged into um, one of my favorite trees on our property when I was a kid. We, had, we lived on an apple orchard, and I merged into that tree. And it was interesting because I, and my problem was I was thinking about, you know, I, I worry so much about my kids and what's the environment going to be like for them. And, oh, my gosh, it's just disastrous, awful. And, mm-hmm. you know, the tree said, to have a long horizon you know the tree's been around for a while (laughs) yeah it's like you know what things will be fine you have to kind of Uh take things one you know you can only it, it was almost like you can only go as fast as as nature will provide you know you have to just mm-hmm. take it step by step and mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking at it in this kind of short time frame and worrying whereas uh, the tree has lived over many 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 moons and knows that it's the big picture the long picture and that I can't jump to any crazy conclusions now so that mm-hmm. was interesting it was interesting that's I really very liked beautiful it. Yeah, yeah it's very relaxing too there's something really um it, like you said, I, I, I now understand an experiential sense of what you might, might, may sort of like in a, a much smaller fraction of what you might have felt when you were merging with the fire because there you could feel the earth, you know, you could feel more grounded um, mm-hmm. when I merged with the tree. And um, and actually, when you said think about when you said think about your problem, I actually my problem was gone. I didn't I couldn't even think mm-hmm. about it anymore. I had to really think about what uh-huh. my problem was. But I just let all those things go. Um, yeah, well, that's great. And, you know, I use this particular practice a lot with environmentalists, which is so helpful because yeah. they're always fighting something or activists and they get very burned out and sometimes very despondent. So this really reconnects them with the spirit of what they're doing and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, restores a great sense of hope and also really helps them to take care of themselves in a yeah. much better way, uh, you know, so it's very powerful yeah. and important. Beautiful. So we have um, Lynn Roberts, who just shared with us um, an experience of shape-shifting into higher consciousness. Um, get her book. This is what it looks like. <laughs> Thank you. It means so much to me that you're listening to the show. I would love your support in any way by giving me comments below or to subscribe to the show or share the show with friends. Thank you again for your support. Love and blessings.